how are you now? How are you now? It's fine Thursday evening. Or maybe it's Friday. I don't know when you listen to this. None of my business. Hello and welcome to episode 30, is it 37 or 38? I want to say it's 37, but it can't be 37, can it? It's got to be 38 by now. What, what episode are we on? What game are we on of the season here? We're on episode 38 of the bottom six minutes presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and we are here to talk about the Montreal Canadiens playing against the Buffalo Sabres. At home, the Habs finally finished with their road trip. Uh, it was reasonably successful. They went 500 on it, right? So um, not great, not terrible. I think uh, you got to take them where you can get them uh, for the Montreal Canadiens this season, and uh, I would say not too bad as a road trip, but always nice to be back in the Bell Center. Josh Anderson getting the Molson Cup for the month of December. Uh, well-deserved. Surprised to see him even playing in this game after, you know, we talked about it in the last episode, buckled his knee a little bit pursuing the puck uh, in the previous game against Dallas and needed a lot of help to get off. So I don't know if they gave him the last store of the Pacioretty blood that they had hanging around to heal him quicker, uh, but he's got some Wolverine powers of his own going on, and he was out there, and uh, yeah, so, got a lot to get to there, obviously. Uh, first game back at home in a little while. And before we do, we do have another word from one of our sponsors. And you know, with NFL playoffs right around the corner, NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. So head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And our game with the Habs and Sabres, it started all right, and it was kind of weird. It was back and forth, but it wasn't back and forth in the traditional sense of, you know, going one way and then right back the other. It was the first two minutes of the game, the Habs looked dominant, and then it was the Sabres for two minutes. Then it was the Habs for two minutes. Then it was the Sabres for two minutes. It's like they, you know, they, they weren't really running and gunning to the point where the other team was getting up and getting, um, you know, transitional opportunities out of taking the puck and just moving through the neutral zone really quick. It was really like each team was getting sustained pressure in the offensive zone for swaths of time and then Devin Levi made an absolutely ridiculous cross crease save it had to be reviewed by the refs Uh, it may have crossed the line but there was no clear evidence that it did and frankly for me looking at at the replays I don't think it did but it doesn't really matter because until and unless they can put a camera under the ice, you're never going to know. We're never going to know. So all you got to say is, I guess, nice save, Devin Levi. And uh, I am so shocked that a Montreal native is going to have himself a game playing in front of his uh, hometown. Well, not his hometown crowd in terms of his team, but his in playing in front of his hometown. Um, yeah, not surprised. So uh, we, we don't get anything else from there. Both teams took a penalty, right? Armia took a hooking penalty. Sabres took a too many men penalty. Both get killed. Shots at the end of the first period are 14 to 13 in favor of the Habs. We really got a nice goaltender duel going on here. Habs basically matching their shot output from two periods in the previous game against the Stars. So uh, you got to say it's a it's a welcome departure to see them putting some more rubber on the net. So going to the second period and hoping to see a little bit more of that. And maybe this time you can get some to actually get through. And guess what? Early in the second period, Sabres looking a little lost in their own zone. They don't even know who to cover. It's almost like they were in a zone and everybody lost their zone. And uh, Yoel Armia, of all people, gets the puck up near the point, fires one through traffic, and he scores. It's one nothing. but wait on just a second there. 
we get a challenge for goaltender interference from the Sabres coaching staff. Now, Michael Pizzetta definitely made contact with Devin Levi. Um, and they're taking a look at it, and I'm thinking, all right, they must be trying to decide whether or not Levi had enough time to reset. I thought he did, and I thought the contact was pretty negligible, but they thought otherwise, and they called the goal back. Now, you can go take a look at this yourselves. I'm not going to rant about this too much. All I'm going to say is that the NHL has fucking zero consistency when it comes to these calls that exact same play could happen in six different games tonight and you would get six different calls i mean well you'd get three different calls technically because there's only two options but you're not getting the same call consistently in the nhl so that's my only issue with it i mean i can see how you're calling that back but if the same thing happens later on in the game you better call that back if the same thing happens in a different game tonight you better see it called back as well if you're consistent at least everybody knows what to look for and that's what we don't know in the nhl is what to look for Anyways, that was not the refing decision that would really get people out of their seats and booing the refs in the Bell Center. Not long after the goal gets called back, the ref calls David Savard for a fucking love tap. I forget who it was. He's streaking in. He's coming in on net. And Savard goes stick on stick. He, he goes one hand with his stick and actually taps him low on the stick below the hands. Okay? And maybe he gets a piece of his shin pad. But it's a love tap. And they call it a slash. Ridiculous call completely ridiculous if that's a slash we would never see five on five hockey in the nhl because that happens constantly on the ice there's just no way of avoiding your stick sometimes touching somebody on the shins they call it a slash and guess what jeff skinner has the puck on the goal line cross crease over to middle stat he buries it past jake allen it's one nothing uh complete complete bullshit that's that's a goal for the refs because that's not a penalty and uh, it's a completely ridiculous call and then we go down into the sabers zone Krebs and Mitchell Stevens are coming in at each other. They're both trying to hit each other. Krebs, as a matter of fact, looked like he was the aggressor going in for the hit first. Stevens braces, hits him, knocks him over. They call Stevens for interference. Basically two minutes for being stronger than the guy that was trying to hit you. Another complete bullshit call. And guess what? Jeff Skinner scores on the power play, and it's 2 nothing for the Sabres. So we're having a, a real, real normal one for the Zebras here uh, in Montreal. And uh, luckily, you know, they call another penalty against the Habs. And I say luckily they call another penalty against the Habs because Yoel Armia exists. All right, he exists. I've been hard on this guy before, but man, does he pull one off here. The Habs are shorthanded. He chases down Rasmus Dahlin in the defensive zone. He's all alone in there. He's the last man back. He turns the puck over, uses Dahlin as a bit of a screen, partial screen anyways, and fires an absolute rip past Devin Levi, breaks that shutout bid, and makes it 2-1. to one. The Habs have some life, and they're going into the third period down only a goal. Now, that goal does belong to the officials, but... Nonetheless, they're going down only a goal and they've got a shot. But whatever shot they had, they took it, crumpled it up, folded it up, however you want to put it, took it in a suitcase, hopped in a car, collectively drove over to the Jacques Cartier Bridge and then pitched that fucking thing right into the Saint Laurent because they had a disgusting third period, a completely disgusting third period. Early on, it felt like Buffalo was in no rush to head up ice. They were seemingly content to sit on a one-goal lead. And the Habs, they're getting some chances, but they can't score. And then just under seven minutes in, Jack Quinn gains his own, fires one, goes off the post and in, 3-1. And now the Habs just stop playing. Later on, Jeff Skinner feeds Tage Thompson. That's 4-1. Darlene adds another one, 5-1. Thompson gets another one. It's 6-1. 
and uh, that's your final. <clears throat> Six to one. After going into the third period, down a goal, the Habs get scored on once, kind of a bit of a lucky one that goes off the post and in, and they just stop playing. I mean, well, they... I shouldn't say they stopped playing. They were getting a couple opportunities at the offensive zone. Devin Levi made a, a couple of decent saves, but they didn't really make them work. And uh, they, they didn't even benefit from what you typically benefit from when you go down like two, three goals in a third period is score effects. The other team kind of sits back. They're not really trying to generate offense because they feel pretty content with what they've got. And that is what happened. And the Habs didn't, the Habs didn't benefit from it. They, they didn't push. Um, I was disgusted with that third period effort. And th- that brings me to, you know, the post-game analysis portion of the podcast. And I think everybody knows. I even had some people tweeting me uh, saying I can smell a ref rant coming in this one. And I'm not going to do a full ref rant, okay? But we need to address those, those two penalties. And we need to address the goaltender interference. We need to address why the refs insist constantly on making themselves the story of every game. Now, you could argue they're not really the story of that game. The story was more the Habs collapsing in the third period, and I would probably be inclined to agree with you on that. But those two penalty calls that they made, so starting with the Savard one, I don't really have much more to say than what I said during the recap. That's a love tap. That cannot be a penalty. If that's your standard, then we don't have five-on-five hockey anymore. Matter of fact, it's going to be tough for us to even have four-on-four hockey because you can't stick-check anybody. That's stupid. You need to, like, they, uh, on a penalty like that, this is where you need, like, a rules expert, an impartial rules expert that operates up in the control room or something, and he can radio down to the ice and tell them, hey, we need to look at this one, we need to review it and maybe cancel it. It should be possible for you to go back and fucking cancel the penalties. We see it happen in the IHF. Why can't we see it in the NHL? They need to figure something out on that front. And then you had this stupid penalty with uh, Peyton Krebs and uh, Mitchell Stevens. Mitchell Stevens is just stronger than him. I mean, the the ref that was in the corner that should have been the one making that call, if there's a call to make, is facing away from the play when it happens. So it's the guy out near center ice that makes the call, and he botches it completely. And there's even if they wanted to come together and discuss it, they can't because the idiot in the corner is facing away from the play. You're being paid to be in that corner, to be watching the play. In the, That's your end. You should be the one making that call, if anybody. What are you doing facing away from the play? Like, have you ever heard of a bump and pivot? Do you know how to do that? Do you, do you know what it is? You come off the board, you can still keep your eyes on the puck, and you can kind of move around and get out of the way of the play while still keeping your eye on the play, which you're paid to do, literally? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm about to turn this into a referent that I didn't want. And, but you, you look at those two penalties, they did have a pretty significant impact on the game. Obviously, no relation to the Habs collapsing in the third period, so you can't blame the refs for the Habs' loss. But you can blame them for being shit at their job. That's all I want to say. And I, I really think that the league would benefit from taking a look at a system where, not necessarily like VAR that you have in, in soccer, but sp- specifically for some of these penalties that are a, a rules official could be up in the, the press box or something, uh, somebody impartial appointed by the league and can take a look at some of these and maybe cancel them out. Because some of the shit that these guys call when they're on the ice that, you know, that, that idiot out near center ice calling the Mitchell Stevens one, that's just, he just saw something happen. He goes, something's got to be a penalty here. And he throws his arm up. And then goes, okay, it's interference. It's not interference. It's not interference. It's two guys going for the same puck, and uh, the guy who got knocked down was the guy who was trying to initiate the hit in the first place. So stop that shit. Um, <laughs> it, it, I turned into a referee even though I didn't want to. This wasn't on the refs, the fact that they lost. They were within a goal going into the third period, and then they took a dump. Um, that's really disappointing, uh, especially after... 
you know, that Dallas game where you could argue they probably didn't deserve to win that one, but they did enough to put themselves in a position to do it. And then they just kind of sat on that lead, which was the frustrating part. But you could argue they didn't deserve to win it. And then you get this one against the Sabres where, you know, you're right there in it. You feel like maybe you got a little bit of a bad shake from the officials in the second period. And then you go take a shit like that in the third period, man. Come on. There's got to be better effort than that. Um, Jake Allen was not good. He got outplayed by Devin Levi. Uh, he looked like he was struggling to track the puck. Not looking good for his trade value at this particular moment. But hopefully his overall pedigree through his time in the league is enough to, to keep some interest alive in him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that wasn't a good game for him. Um, silver lining of the night, I guess. Now this is usually an honor that I reserve for whoever was the best player or whoever you know, put up some points in, in a loss. And that would be you know, Yoel Armia in this one, right? He technically scored two goals. Um, one of them shorthanded, one of them didn't count. Uh, and he actually had a pretty good game. My, my problem with giving him the silver lining is that as, as good of a game as that was, we know what it is with Yoel Armia. He has one and then he, he might be invisible for two more and then he'll take a stupid penalty in the third period of a tied game in, in the third one. So it's it's hard for me to give him silver lining of the night. And I want to give credit where credit is due. That was a good game from him. Uh, that shorthanded goal, you know, he gave them some life in the second period there where the refs seemed intent on snatching every ounce of life that they had. Uh, and he didn't allow that to happen. Goes out there and go, gets a big shorty for him. So I do want to throw him his flowers. Great game. Unfortunately, he still has an albatross of a contract that this team is not going to be able to move, uh, <laughs> barring a miracle. And that makes it hard for me to give him a silver lining so I am going to give the silver lining of the night to Yuri Slavkovsky and if you watched that game start to finish you would you would have had to watch it start to finish to understand why I'm giving him uh, the silver lining in this game it's because he was a menace in the forecheck again there was multiple occasions where he absolutely sunned Rasmus Dahlin in the offensive zone like chased him down uh, one in the first period chased him down and then threw him into the boards uh, pinned him up there took the puck off of him and set up a chance one in the second period I believe where he chased him down uh, did a quick little stick lift and then goes into the corner pins him up takes the puck gives it to Nick Suzuki and creates a scoring chance like this was a very good game from him in a very bad overall game especially with how it ended so it's 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 hard in a game like that it is hard to pick a silver lining but if you if you watch this start to finish I think you would probably agree with me that your Slavkovsky was uh you know he was doing a lot of the same things that I've been talking about in recent episodes with the heavy forecheck uh you know he's, he's getting better actually at timing some of those one-timers that are coming to him as well like I I really think that he's on his way to to bigger and better things um how long that's going to take I, I really don't know I really don't. I, I I would have liked to have seen it come a little bit sooner, but I think in a rebuild, you got to have a little bit more patience than I think us as hockey fans are, are used to showing, right? Especially my, I should throw myself right in there as well. I'm saying us. Uh, that includes me 100%. I've, I've been a very impatient person in the past, and I'll probably continue to be an impatient person because I've been waiting for a cup for 30 years in Montreal. And look, Patience is a virtue, one that I don't always have. And with Slavkovsky, it seems like it's paying off a little bit for the Montreal Canadiens. They've been patient. Um, they've kind of been been slow to really trust him with, with top six minutes, which, you know, at times last year that was a little bit frustrating. But now, now we're seeing some of this development, and it, it kind of feels like they've made some of the right calls with him and his development. So 
Um, it's good news, and that's why I wanted to pick him for the silver lining of the night. But, again, I want to repeat it. Yoel Armia had a very good game. I'm not trying to shit on him. When I talk about his contract and stuff, you know, that's not his fault. Anybody plops a, a multi-million dollar contract in front of anybody, the person is going to sign it unless they've got a better option somewhere else, right? I'm not faulting him for signing that contract. We know whose fault that is. We all know whose fault that is. And um, there's there's nothing that they can do about it at this point. So unfortunately, I can't just give him silver lining the night. I got to give it to Slavkovsky. Outside of those two, I don't really have anything good to say. Justin Barron actually played pretty good. I thought um, in the defensive zone, he's cleaned up. He's cleaned up, and that's I, – I, I know I was rough on him a few episodes back. I talked about maybe sending him to Laval. Um, I think, I think I've, I'm, I'm ready to completely back off from that and say, all right, we don't need to send him to Laval right now. Um, I maybe overreacted on that, that one stretch of games there and that one game in particular, but I, I think he's, he's settled down in the, in the last couple of games, and I've, I've kind of been enjoying some things. The only thing that, that bothered me was he had a shot in the third period where he put it – like directly into the glove of Levi. Like he had no, there was no screen and he just put it right on net. And it's like, obviously Levi's going to catch that, right? Um, but outside of that, good game from him. Um, Sean Monahan played decent. Jaden Struble played a pretty good game. Um, Mitchell Stevens, poor guy, had to sit in the box for two minutes and watch a goal get scored on his team for something that should have been a fucking penalty. Shouldn't have been a fucking penalty. It sounded like I said should there. Um, just terrible terrible all around and again they can't even blame the refs they can only blame themselves because you were within a goal and you took a shit in the third period man you got to do better than that you got to do better than that and then Devin Levi man um he played pretty well I mean as as bad as the Habs were particularly in that third they still got a lot of rubber on that in this game that was the one thing you could maybe even count that as a silver lining is that they haven't really gotten over 30 shots super often lately they got over 30 shots in this game Devin Levi played well Right? That game could have been 6-3, to 6-4. to four. But Devin Levi made sure that they couldn't even get to 2. Um, he played a very good game. And again, like I said in the recap, what a shocker. Guy from Montreal comes, plays his, uh, gets his first win in Montreal in front of his family. And it's a laugher in favor of uh, the team that's visiting. So kind of you know, an age-old story of Quebecois players um, that come to Montreal do something and uh we got to sit there and watch it and go man i wish we had that guy when did he get drafted oh seventh round i mean it's not like the Habs were the only team that passed on him if he got drafted in the seventh round but um still you know maybe there's a world where one day he could be playing for the montreal canadians and we could have that hometown hero in net but until that day um which doesn't seem very likely i think buffalo wants to hold on to him uh they're gonna have to continue searching for their next goaltender and i really don't think it's jake allen so that's the last thought that I want to leave on, which unfortunately is a negative. Um, I think he's doing more harm than good to his trade value at this point. There was a report that I saw earlier today that the Leafs had offered a sixth-round pick for him. Um, that's a low-ball offer. I think even right now he's worth more than that. But I think whatever the Habs were looking to get, they might need to make themselves willing to take a little bit less. I really don't see him as an option for this team moving forward. I would I would rather, I, I said it in the article when I wrote it about Semyon Montembeau and after the last game, I said I think he might be the guy for the starter for the future, but I would rather see them roll the games between Caden Primo and uh, Semyon Montembeau than I would see any more games of Jake Allen. I've seen what I need to see. He's not a terrible goalie. Uh, he did a really good job for the Habs in the stead of Carey Price uh, back in that cup run year until Price came back and took us through the playoffs. Um, it's just, 
it's not there anymore, and he's getting older. I think they need to try and find him a spot. Toronto would be a good spot. If they can get Toronto to bring up that price a little bit, then I would say do it. Uh, but don't be expecting like a first round coming back because if, if anybody watches the tape, they see a game like that, they go, well, um, I mean, sure, he's not having the worst season ever, but that game exists. Games like that exist, and we can't necessarily have that on our playoff run. So it might be tough, but... Um, again, hopefully his overall pedigree from his time in the league is enough to get somebody to bite on him. But that was a shit game, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there because otherwise I'm gonna I'm gonna find myself cycling all the way back into a ref rant. Um, what are we running today? Uh, about 21 minutes. So sin énorme soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Et à la prochaine.